Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hicks! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns and we are live all right guys night number one of the 2021 is 2021 nfl draft browns selected at number 26 tonight and they made a, uh, an interesting choice, I thought, in choosing cornerback Greg Newsom II out of Northwestern. Um, first of all, what do you guys think of the pick? Well, I thought that it was exactly what they wanted. I mean, they, the whole idea that the Browns didn't have any needs was was totally false. I mean – this is a loaded roster. This is a very talented roster. The cornerback was glaring. I mean, if you look at the situation there, you have Denzel Ward, an established double caliber player who misses a few games a year. And Greedy Williams didn't play at all last year with the nerve injury, you know, the nerve damage in the shoulder. So they signed Troy Hill, who can play inside or outside, but plan A is to, to use him at nickel. So unless they're sure about Greedy being able to make this comeback 100%, they don't have, uh, heading into tonight, number two uh, corner who you know can start opposite Denzel Ward on the outside. That's what Greg Newsom uh, was brought here to do. You know, after, after the corners I mentioned, you have, you know, Robert Jackson and MJ Stewart. They needed a corner. They went out and they got one. There was who kind of formed that top tier. If you listen to the Daniel Jeremiah's and Dane Bruglers uh, of the world, the, the draft analysts and the Browns, they were able to stick there and, at 26 and pick. And they, and they got one of the corners and a guy who I thought all along made a ton of sense and fit the profile for what they needed. Anybody want to add to that? Yeah, cornerback is, uh, Nate, uh, the more I looked at it tonight, uh, I I realized more so after studying it now that they added a cornerback, uh, how much they really do need one. Um, And um, my thought always goes back to uh, when Chris Spielman was uh, new to the Browns, uh, he would uh, park back in his corner and uh, philosophize on what uh, what made a good football team. One of the things that Chris was – 
we know each other going back to high school, so we would have our conversations, but he always tried to educate me on the importance of cornerbacks. He said time after time, you cannot have enough uh, good cornerbacks. So there's that. And uh, the fact that the Browns only have one good cornerback, Denzel Ward, uh, uh, pending the other guys, awaited uh, chance to prove themselves uh, is, is really, uh, really kind of frightening. But in, in terms of uh, getting this particular cornerback, when you go all the way down to uh, that part of the draft and you're trying to get a starter at that point of the draft, you're going to have some flaws. The 26th uh, pick, I just looked this up tonight after they drafted him, five number 26 picks in a row were pretty much uh, – busts. One of them was Tack McKinley, of course, that is with the Browns now, but he was a bust with the team that drafted him. There were five in a row who just didn't come anywhere close to giving the teams from the number 26 spot in the draft uh, what what uh, what they wanted. So you're going to have problems, and the problem the Browns uh, have uh, brought upon themselves is the fact they have an off-insured uh, cornerback who uh, I think never played more than eight games at Michigan. Only play, or excuse me, Michigan. Michigan, but he, he played only uh, eight games at uh, Northwestern in his busiest year and only three last year. Now, of course, Stefanski and uh, Barry were asked about that in, in, in the Zoom tonight, and they, they brushed it off, as you would expect. They wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't think that uh, he was healthy enough to have a, a good chance to play. But that's a real issue. He only played a handful of games as an 18-year-old freshman at Northwestern, and then uh, eight games as a sophomore and, and only three games last year. So that's a concern. Everything else about a scouting report checks out, but that's a big one, not to check out that injury thing. Yeah, I, I just I just have to wonder how much how much of a pass he gets for the COVID year. Now, I've, I've said when it comes to dealing with, with college football in general, general that everybody should get a freaking mulligan for last year. Um, that that was a disaster across the NCAA, and I, I you got to wonder how much that plays into his situation. Um, I forget the Big Ten. What most teams got in six games? Was it six games? I'm not yeah. sure. He, he, so here's what happened. He missed. He actually missed three games last year. It was a shortened season, but he, he actually missed three games and he played six. Um, and that was – it was groin injury. And then 2019, he missed three games. And then 2018, he missed eight games, but he explained on his conference call today that he had an ankle injury that really cost him like three games. And then he thought he was going to redshirt, so he sat out additional games. I think it's fair to say that he's kind of similar to Denzel Ward if you look at this – this uh, track record of missing about three games a season. So yeah, that you're right, Steve. Um, that is the knock against him. Um, but you know, I other than that, like you said, it, it does check out. Like I was on the pro day Zoom with Drake on March 9th and Pat Fitzgerald, uh, Northwestern's coach, and Fitzgerald um, called him a unicorn and said that he's a high level corner with zero off-field baggage. He's a great teammate. He's a captain type guy. Um, I think, you know, the injuries, yeah, that scares you a little bit, and that's probably why you're able to stick and pick at 26 
You know, I thought he was the guy, um, but I honestly thought that they probably would have to move up a little bit to get him because I thought the run on corners was going to be a little bit stronger. But lo and behold, Andrew Barry looks really smart for not having to give up any draft capital and still getting his guy. But I, I do agree with you, Steve. I think the injuries are why he was available. That's the part I like best, Nate, that they didn't uh, have to uh, give up assets uh, to, to trade up and uh, and got a guy who was uh, as good as they were going to get at 26. No, just, I'll just throw in there. I mean, the parts to check out, uh, six foot, 190, uh, real nice size. Uh, his pre-draft uh, 40 was uh, in the four threes. Uh, one yeah. thing I noticed, he's uh, must be a pretty strong guy because they had eight, 18 benches of uh, 225, which is uh, good, good for a cornerback. And they had a 40-inch uh, vertical. So that kind of stuff uh, checks out. And, of course, uh, obviously, uh, Barry was going to do a strong job selling him tonight. And they did, did that. Both Barry and Stefanski kind of uh, represented him as, as a guy touching on uh, what you just said, Nate, is with uh, with uh, zero defects when he's uh, healthy. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think is like a, a – it's no coincidence he's a Browns pick. He's like an analytics darling. I mean, Barry mentioned a couple times his age. Uh, he's 20, and he said he's uh, 10 or 15 youngest players in this draft class. Um, and then if you look at some of the statistics, uh, last year he like had the, he had the lowest uh, pass rating allowed uh, on balls thrown into his coverage. You know, the things the pro football focus track, he scores really well in. Um, also, um, you know, not allowing a touchdown last season, you know, the, the thing that you, one, one kind of thing, if you're going to nitpick aside from injuries is the interception ratio isn't, wasn't great. And the 25 passes defense he had in his 21 college games, he only had one interception. So you'd obviously, you know, the Browns emphasize takeaway so much. You want to see him actually catch in on some of those opportunities. So I'm sure Joe Woods is going to be all over him for that, you know. About that. Yeah, I brought that up with Barry, and you know he he said he didn't. Jalen Ramsey didn't have very many in his college career, and I checked that out. He only had three in 41 games as a collegian. So, um, but he's only got 11 in the NFL, and um, so, but that guy's a four-time Pro Bowler. So if 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 Newsom turns out to be anywhere anywhere near this, you know they're they're fine. But I agree with you, Nate. They had to address this, and you know you you got the best guy available and of the four, you know, of the elite cornerbacks there. So, um, I I think I think this is what they had to do. I mean, my the my biggest concern is I still want a big a game changing defender. And I still don't know who that is if he's on this defense, except for Miles. So um, I wanted another one. And maybe tomorrow if they want to trade up for some of those big name rushers or linebacker, you know, the Notre Dame linebacker still on the board. I mean, that's a possible. They have the capital. Um, what's the say to Keep your butt on the field. I mean, his his injury last year seems to be, seems to have been such a freak kind of injury. I've had a pinched nerve from carrying luggage. Obviously, I'm I'm not in in his athletic elite level, so I know how much that hurts. Um, 
and it kept me in a chair for a summer. So what are they saying to him? Are they saying anything to him? Sure, they've said a lot to him, George, but I, I think the bottom line is uh, uh, unless they, uh, they, they know they're taking somewhat of a risk. I thought um, it was uh, somewhat candid of uh, Barry to admit tonight that, yeah, he's been banged up, but uh, uh, the, the context was that, uh, well, and, and these were, were actually the exact words he used. He said he's only 20 years old, he's growing into his body, but that was one thing. But uh, I'd have a hard time imagining that the uh, the uh, people with a sense of uh, Barry and uh, and his cohort Stefanski, uh, both very sensible guys, uh, they wouldn't take this kind of plunge unless uh, unless they thought they were going to win uh, win the gamble and that he's going to be on the field uh, this year. I was like like I said, I was more interested in greedy. What's it mean to greedy? Well, I mean. What do you want? I mean, the guy has a major nerve injury in the shoulder. He couldn't play it all last season. I'm just asking a question. I mean, I mean, I can't. I, I don't know. I don't know what the question is. They can't tell him make your nerve get better. I mean, this is something that's unpredictable. Um, they're bullish on his on his comeback attempt. They think that he can get back on the field, but. It's a nerve that cost him an entire season. So if you if you really want to on that he's going to be able to come back, you're crazy, and they confirm that by making this first round pick tonight. Well, the other thing is, George, is what if he gets hit in that spot again? You know, it could be career threatening. So you had to have, you know, you see what I mean. But for forgetting about whether he gets hit in, in that spot, even Marla, which is a valid point, but. It, even if that spot is just fine, let's do the math. I think he was a 46, drafted by a different regime, and the guy coming in is a 26, drafted by the new regime. And uh, the the 46 had a reputation for not uh, liking to hit people. And uh, this guy, I'll go back to the, uh, you know, he benches uh, uh, 18, uh, 225 pounds 18 times. He must be a pretty tough cat who keeps him in in shape. He seems to check out as a run defender. So what it means to greedy to me is, is, is fairly easy, George. He is now number three at best on the depth chart. You know, there's a name that we need to mention that we haven't. Terrence Mitchell. He started every game for the Browns last season, played the most defensive snaps, uh, and that door was open for him partly because of Greedy's injury. Now, in before Greedy got hurt, I was thinking Terrence Mitchell might just win that job, you know, without any injury. And and that and that really kind of goes to Steve's point that you know, Greedy just wasn't proven. He was drafted by another regime. And I understand Terrence Mitchell is a John Dors Dorsey guy too. But I thought that that was going to be a very good competition. Well, lo and behold, Terrence Mitchell ended up being like the most reliable defender. I mean, he was there on the field more than anybody, all 18 games, including the two playoff games, let him leave. Um, he signed with Houston. So that just kind of adds to the conversation. We're talking about greedy, 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 but who walked out the door and, and all the snaps he had under his belt. So, yeah, I mean, this was a, a big-time need. And it's so funny because 
you know, we talked to Andrew Barry and what and, and Andrew Barry, I think, you know, isn't like a smokescreen GM. Like he not, you know, he doesn't really strike me as somebody who who is like way into into that and, and, and you know, trying to send mixed signals and everything. But anytime a GM downplays the idea that there just are certain positions of need and you want to you know, you want to address them. I just, I think it's, it's pretty funny because you can always say best available, but you had something that you needed to get done. Just like last year, you needed to get a left tackle. They put Cheddar Quills. Now I understand that was number 10 overall, a lot different than number 26. So, you know, they had to have things fall their way to get the corner tonight, but they did. It was a very targeted approach and they filled a big need on a team with very needs another question how much could this help the pass rush and miles garrett in particular because there were there were a lot of instances last last season when garrett was just a second away from a sack and the quarterback got the ball out of his hand when the when a receiver popped free how much does this possibly help that pass rush I would say if you've got Ward and Newsom on the field together with those, with the new guys you brought in from the Rams as well, I'd say he should have a little half a second longer to get there. You would, would two cover guys like this? Um. I think we're, um, well, we haven't mentioned him yet. Uh, Marlon A. George, uh, I don't know where you come down on, uh, on, on Clowney, uh, other than the gas, but where I come down on Clowney is he's really, really, really important. And I'm not minimizing the fact that, uh, that uh, he's been a, a semi-bust relative to generational talent, which he was supposed to have as a number one overall pick. But I really think they studied uh, the acquisition of uh, Clowney very, very thoroughly. And uh, they did not let go Sheldon Richardson lightly. But they thought so much of Clowney, and uh, I, I guess I'm – they humored me. I, I, I think more of him now than, than I did before because they think that much of him. But they thought so much of Clowney that they let go a really big asset. Granted, they, they could bring him back. I don't, don't know. Sheldon's, uh, Sheldon doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's going to uh, uh, you know, play ball play. there and, and come back. But uh, Clowney, to me, is, is super important. And, uh, and that aspect of the pass rush helping uh, Miles Garrett, in, in addition to better coverage, yeah, it's uh, you know we all we all know that uh, uh, you cover longer, you have more time to to rush the pass, and uh, uh, theoretically with the upgrades at safety and now a corner, uh, they're going to cover uh, maybe not just longer, but uh, but way longer. And with the uh, Clowney on the field, uh, I don't know. I think uh, the chemistry is coming together, but they really do need to replace Sheldon Richardson, don't they? They do. Um, I kind of want to end this here with. Uh, thought on round two and the reason why I believe this is a segue is there were no defensive tackles taken tonight so you got your top two uh and Christian Barmore from Alabama and uh Levi Anzarike from Washington I think that's interesting you know, I didn't buy Christian Barmore to the Browns at 26. That was being tossed around a little bit. But 
you know, if he's there in the second round and he starts sliding a little bit, or Anzarike, maybe the Browns like him better. I know Daniel Jeremiah prefers him over Barmore. But if one of those guys is there, I think that you could see Andrew Barry um, not just sit there at 59, but maybe even move up. And, I mean, there's a number of players. I just think that the Browns, with the, with the two third-round picks and the two fourth-round picks, I could see a move up tomorrow night. I could have seen a move up tonight. In fact, I mentioned it earlier that I thought that it, it was going to be for Newsom if they went with that strategy. Well, I think they could very well move up tomorrow night. And that, I mean, there's a lot of a, a lot of ways to get. Um, Rondale Moore has been a fascination of mine for a long time. I think that there's a role for him already into the playbook. It's exactly what they tried to do last year with JoJo Natson. I mean, out there at training camp, JoJo Natson was running jet sweeps, end arounds, bubble screens a lot with the ones. Um, we barely got to see it in the regular season. They tried to get him going a little bit. Obviously, he tore his ACL in game three. Now, Rondell Moore is like a super version of JoJo Natson. And JoJo Natson obviously has great speed. And George, you know, from University of Akron, there's things to like. And Mike Prefer certainly does. But Rondell Moore is like that, like a superhero version of it. And they're both 5'7". So that's why Rondell Moore is in, in, the, in the second round, despite his athleticism. I mean, you guys remember three years ago, what he against Ohio State. I mean, this, so I, I think he's another guy to watch in round two. Does anybody else have round two people? I've looked at the round two. Um, I know one of my assignments tonight, Nate, was to uh, do the uh, the leftovers list of who's available. And with, with without um, uh, singling out any, any names, because I, I know the ones I might name are, aren't going to be the ones that uh, Stefanski and, and Barry mutually have, have definitely targeted. But uh, there are players there at uh, defensive tackle, at linebacker, at edge, and at wide receiver, uh, and any of which, maybe may edge being the least of those, but uh, it's, it's kind of loaded with positions the Browns need. And you just know that uh, they're going to be targeting somebody. And uh, Nate, I will bet you a cyber cappuccino that they will be trading up from, uh, from 59 to get the player they, they, they target. Well, I agree. I mean, I, I, I lean that way. I mean, yeah, you said they, you said, you said you, you're thinking that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm just not just thinking that way. I'm, I'm really uh, counting on it. They'll be a surprise if they don't. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet because I, I, I think so too. Like I, I percentage is greater than 50 that they do. Cause I just don't think that they, with those extra, uh, you know, picks in the third and fourth round are just going to sit there. And I'm looking at these names. I'm looking at a best list. Um, I mean, you're right, Steve. I mean, there are a bunch of guys we wrote about in the lead up that we thought could be 26 possibilities. I mean, Wusa Koromoa, uh, George talked to him at Pro Day. Uh, <laughs> um, Aziz Ojolari. The yeah, Edge there's Rose. another good name. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of guys. But Nate Marla said earlier that uh, that uh, defense uh, was uh, kind of a focal point for her. Of, uh, she was uh, uh, president of this th- this thing, uh, and I, I guess I kind of uh, think that they uh, probably will because there are so many players left. Probably will take a defensive player and probably should. One reason I think that is uh, there was this big run on uh, uh, pass catchers. You know that first round was. 
kind of amazing how the tight end and the wideouts went bang, 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 right up there where the quarterbacks were supposed to go. And and then that kind of followed through into the first round. But uh, I, I think the Browns are going to have to uh, count on the, the thoughts like, well, uh, Beckham's going to have to come back. And uh, the other guys, uh, are you know, uh, everything else is going to have to fall in place. And that their draft pick this year, so to speak, is going to be somebody like Donovan Peoples-Jones. They'll have to get something out of uh, – Somebody like uh, Peoples Jones from last year's draft, last year's draft, and that's not a bad bet, by the way. I kind of kind of like him, but uh, I really do see them uh, targeting a, a defensive player in that uh, that second round. I, I can't go either way because I mean, when you look at that list, there, could you see receivers. them? Yeah, I'm just. My question is, when you look at that list of who all's there, you could almost see them trading up. A, for a couple of those guys. I mean, a more. That that guy, I mean, I, I, I was talking about Rondale Moore earlier, but Elijah Moore, he led the um, SEC in, in, you know, catches and yards per game. And then, I mean, he played for Lane Kiffin. Um, <laughs> I was on the Pro Day Zoom with him, too, and – um, you know, let's not forget that his, uh, his brother is uh, Brown's uh, defensive line coach, Chris Kiffin. So the Browns are going to know as much about him as he wants. I think he's really interesting, too. I, mean, I, I can't imagine being a 59. Um, he was one of those fringe first-round guys. So I, I don't know, Steve. I, I, I agree with you more about the trade-up than I do about defensive player. I think, the, yeah. I think it could be a receiver here. Nate, I love the guy you're talking about, the, the little guy. I mean, to me, he's like a, a, a pinto horse of a, a unicorn. But, uh, yeah, he's got stuff, uh, speed. I think he had a 42-and-a-half-inch uh, vertical. But, yeah, uh, you would love to have him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I'm betting defense, uh, and, and I, I certainly would, have, would not object to what at, at all if they would add a dynamic piece of the offense uh, like that. So. Uh, yeah, I think it tells like, me they're leaning leaning to defense. One night, uh, and Marlo, you know, not to belabor this, but one thing you both heard Stefanski say tonight was that we still want help at all three levels of the defense. So the little nugget uh, of a teaser hint that uh, Kevin threw out was uh, you know, angled toward the defense. So I just have half a notion that uh, they're leaning that way as much as they'd like to have help for offense. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we're going to see it when this is all said and done. I, I do think we're going to see edge defensive tackle and linebacker added to the mix here. Um, I do think receiver will be there. It's just a matter of when. But yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it's kind of you know succession planning um, with with Beckham and Andrew. They're going to combine for more than thirty-one million dollars of salary cap space next year. They're already over thirty combined and the Browns can afford it right now it happens when you put the uh, upcoming extensions uh, on the books then it becomes more difficult and that's why I think you're going to have a receiver of the future on a rookie contract so I could see them starting that as early as tomorrow night trading those two first round picks or third the two third round picks and, and moving up could uh possibly get you the best of both worlds is one thought I have uh, made on that. Well, if they traded both third round picks, that would be a, a big, bold move up to the top. You know, they'd be picking early in the second round. 
And, um, you and, know, and, and yeah, I mean, maybe even keep your 59 and do something with those uh, two third rounders. I, I, I don't know what, but uh, you know, they, they do have, that is an attractive uh, uh, set of ammo to have those two third rounders. Sure. I think we'll see them spin some picks forward too. Like, I don't think, I think they're going to pick fewer than nine players. I think they're going to try to do, especially in day three, the Joe Banner 2013. I'm going to trade a fourth this year for a third next year, a fifth this year for a fourth uh, next year, because I don't think that they pick nine players, get in the nine rookies on the team, you know, with the, the makeup of the roster would be difficult. And that's, that's that analytics move of, of spinning it forward and proving, um, you know, your, your stock, uh, but just the next year. And I do, I, I really do buy that the medical information is just not what it, it usually is this year. So I could see them trying to kind of parlay some of these picks in the next year. So we'll see. I also have I also have this theory that they're going to maybe pick an injured player to kind of stash him on IR. So we'll see. These are some kind of different creative strategies that you could use to to get fewer than nine if you don't think that you're going to have for nine. All right, guys. It's time for some of us to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> so. We'll see everybody tomorrow for Nate Ulrich, Steve Dorschek, Marla Reidenauer, and myself. Good night. Good morning. <laughs> Get your lucky charms. I got mine. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Good night.